Well, if you hear the promos for today's show or you follow me on Facebook or something, you probably know I had a slightly different idea for the show today because I like to talk on Mondays about kind of overarching themes. And I come up with one that I was fairly pleased with. We may circle back to it at some point. Um, but obviously, I think we have to talk about what just happened. And I, I also say that had I had any, any inkling of what was going to happen, uh, we probably would have tried to schedule some Kremlinologist or Russian studies expert. Or I don't know what I don't know who we would have scheduled. Actually, it might have been better to schedule somebody you know who makes one of the people that makes twenty four or something. But because um, it seems almost more like a plot twist than an actual international development. But um, in any case, I, I just sort of thought that um, Putin and Trump would try to finesse things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they would, if there was, you know, the, a way to, go to put a good face on things that had happened, that they would do that or in some way make it seem as though they were taking some of our concerns seriously. Or I don't know what I thought. I guess I'm very naive. Anyway, we're going to talk about this for a while until I'm done and you're done. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about this press conference, which I really do feel – I mean, you can tell that I'm almost at a loss for words, which doesn't happen all that often. Um, <clears throat> our number, if you want to call in, is 860-275-7266. I will attempt to recap some of the things that were said. I, I mean, I think probably the biggest news out of the press conference is that when Donald Trump was asked by a reporter – uh, and the question was framed thusly, all of the, your intelligence services, and I might add your national security director, Dan Coats, but all, all of the U.S. intelligence services believe that the Russian government uh, attempted to interfere, did interfere with the political processes of the United States in 2016. They all say that. Um, Mr. Putin says otherwise. Whom do you believe? Um, and he was not able to give – he was certainly not able to say, well, of course I believe U.S. intelligence. I mean one of his answers was a kind of blizzard of fall de about a Pakistan, the, the Pakistani gentleman, which by the way is the name of John le Carre's next novel. Um, the Pakistani gentleman and the, where are the servers and all of which had nothing to do with the question. But whenever this question came up, it seemed as though President Trump was unable to distinguish between two questions. One of them is – did the Russian government essentially attack the American political process in 2016? And the answer seems to be unquestionably yes. I mean, I don't think anybody in intelligence questions that. And certainly the 12-person Mueller indictment um, makes that clear as well, that we were attacked. So that's one question. The other question is, did you, Donald Trump, have anything to do with it? Was there collusion? Did you or anybody working for you make this possible? But that second thing wasn't what he was being asked about today. And yet he defended himself from those charges, which were not being leveled at him, rather than answer the question. I mean, the big question today is, they appear to have attacked. Well, they have. They have attacked our political process. What are we going to do about it? And his response was that nobody has proved any collusion on my part or anybody, you know, anybody close to me, you know, and it's all just a big, a big witch hunt. And that wasn't the question. And it's either I can't really tell. I mean, in some ways, I feel like his narcissism 
Um, and his terrible weakness, this is, and it was revealed once again today, what a weak man he is. His weakness makes him go to the fear point of every question. So it's possible that he didn't understand. He wasn't really being asked about his own involvement or the possibility of collusion or the possibility that the Mueller probe will eventually tie him and his associates to all this. He wasn't being asked a question about any of that. He was simply being asked a question about whether he believed his own intelligence services who say, without implicating him, but who say there was an attack on our political process. Um, and I mean, so one possibility is it's his narcissism and his weakness, that he can't even see the distinction between those two questions. He's so afraid of being made to look bad, being made to look as though he didn't win the election fair and square. Um, all The election is clearly replaying in his head to this day. He cited his electoral vote totals today in this press conference with Vladimir Putin. Um, so that, that's the other, the other possibility is that he has kind of a genius strategy here. And the strategy is that it's, it's, it's inconvenient for him to answer this question. You know, do you believe you're in intelligence services about the fact that they attacked us? And if so, what are you going to do about it? Um, it's inconvenient for him to answer that question. So he pretends he's been asked a different question, the one about himself. Uh, I don't know which of those two are true. They may be so wound up with one another, uh, just like like, like snakes, <laughs> that, that they're indistinguishable from one another to him. But, I mean, it was an important moment. Um, and, and when I say that he's a weak man, too, one of the things that we've known in the past is that he will often talk a very aggressive game talking to the press, tweeting, making speeches at rallies. And then when he goes face to face with somebody, a world leader, he backs down. Well, he hasn't really talked a particularly tough game with Putin. But to the extent that there is any kind of tough game talk, obviously he's he's too weak and too afraid to stand there in front of Vladimir Putin and say, it is clear to me that you have interfered in our election. Whether or not I benefited from it is a separate question, but it's clear to me that your government had an interest in disrupting our political process. I won't stand for it. I demand the extradition of those Russian agents. I say whatever you want to say. Say something anyway. Um, but but he's far too weak a person to do this. Um, there were other completely other <laughs> remarkable moments uh, in the press conference today, including, and this is where I sort of thought, wow. I really thought they were going to finesse these kinds of questions a little bit more and make it you know, more difficult to have a reaction. By the way, if you're having a reaction right now, either call a doctor or a poison control center or call me, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. So at one point, uh, Putin was asked whether he, he had wanted Trump to win and, and whether he had instructed his people to do something about that. I think he thinks he's only answering the first half of this question, or maybe he didn't get that there was a second half. But I kind of thought he was going to, once again, finesse a question like this. But he didn't. Did you want Legal President framework. Trump to win the election? Yeah. And did you direct any of your officials to help him do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because he talked about bringing the U.S.-Russia relationship back to normal. That's what he said. Um, 
<laughs> yes, I did. Um, I, I'm sure as it's kind of spun out afterwards, uh, it will be pointed out, it will be suggested that Putin only really kind of understood the first part of the question, didn't understand he was also being asked whether he instructed his people to do something about it, and that the yes, I did well, only applied to the first half of the question. Even so, I would have expected him to say, you know, once to spin it. To say, well, I don't really get too interested in who wins elections in other countries. That's your problem, who wins your elections. I'm interested in running my own country. <laughs> but he didn't say that. All right. Uh, we're, I am going to invite phone calls here. I don't have an expert Kremlinologist. There's me, an inexpert Kremlinologist. Um, people aren't even Kremlinologists anymore. The number is 860-275-7266. Here's Bill in New London. Hi, Bill. You're on the air. Hey, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. I had a couple of comments real quick. Uh, number one, everybody's talking about Crimea and the elections, but nobody's talking about the people who got poisoned to death in in London, and and the and the woman that just died this week. It, uh, Putin is an assassin, and for Trump to meet with him is horrible. There, you got the Supreme Court coming up. In my opinion, uh, Trump should have been impeached a long time ago, and and but also there's a very interesting Connecticut connection. The Manaforts build all the casinos in Connecticut. That's why they keep promoting casinos. Manafort uh, uh, is out of New Britain, and they take all that money from the casinos, Mashantucket and Mohegan and others, and they use that for money laundering to do things like the dirt they did in the Ukraine. So I just wanted to uh, see what your thoughts on that were. Well, that, that second thing is maybe a little bit uh, up, uh, too far up into the stratosphere of conspiracy theory for me. And, and anyway, any money that any of the Manafort construction firms, which, by the way, don't correct directly anyway to Paul Manafort, um, any money that they would have gotten for the construction is money long gone and long spent. I mean, there's some kind of continuous revenue stream to a construction company. So I, I don't I don't. I don't see that one. Um, as far as the poisoning thing goes, that's been part of the conversation. It's been part of the conversation today by members of the media. But, you know, one of the things we know, one of the realities of life in 2015, 2016, 2017, and now is that there are inevitably so many things going on that it is almost impossible to, first of all, mentally keep track of all of them. You know, so many things that should arouse great concern. And that it's also impossible to make a conversation that, into which all of those elements can be successfully rotated. The, the, the genius, if that's the right word, of Donald Trump has been that. I mean, I don't know. I think I've said this before, but I was teaching this poli-sci course uh, at my old university this spring, and we had a class motto, and it was, every day something has to happen. And what that referred to is sort of the, the ethos of reality television, a world from which Donald Trump comes. You have to have plot, right? You need plot. You can't just have... You can't have a week where nothing happens. You don't have reality TV. People have to get mad. People have to betray each other. Things have to go on. People have to throw wine onto each other's dresses. Things like that. Things like that has to have to happen. And, and he has transferred that very successfully uh, into his tenure in the White House. Every day things happen. So many things happen. Uh, now you can't you can't say that he's responsible for the poisonings in England. However, it, it is true that there is so much going on here, so much that is of concern, so much that demands comments of, uh, from all of us that we, we don't get to every single thing. And, and, you know, exactly how the poisonings might connect to all this is a difficult thing to to, to lay out, although I could probably do it. I will say that and I hope everybody caught this, 
the, the other truly alarming thing that, that happened today, or one of the other truly alarming things that happened today, was that uh, Trump, well, right at the beginning of the press conference, Trump said that um, he and Putin had been talking about this whole Russian interference situation and that Putin had some pretty interesting ideas about what to do about it. Well, when we got to those ideas, what they were went something like this. We have a treaty. Um, it would allow um, you, uh, our treaty would basically allow your investigative agencies to come over and maybe watch us question wrongdoers here in Russia. Now, think, of, think about that for a second. The 12 people indicted last week by the Mueller commission are Russian officials, they're Russian agents. <laughs> so what Putin is saying is, like, I'll tell you, we'll, we, we'll question them and you can come well, watch us do it, right? That, that will be helpful if your people can come over and watch us with the questioning. Um, and on the other hand, then, but then he said, but I would expect reciprocity, um, which is to say that I would expect that if you have somebody that I'm interested in, my agents could come over and watch you question them. Um, and he mentioned one particular person, Bill Browder, uh, in this way. Uh, but that was an especially fiendish and Mephistophelian uh, calculation that he laid out there. So, um, so yes, I mean, you know, he... I mean, the, the problem isn't that there are these criminals who are living in Russia that the Russian government would have some capacity to prosecute. Uh, and if they did that, Mueller's people or somebody could come over and, and, and watch and maybe suggest questions or I don't know how that would work. But that's not the case. Russia did this. <laughs> The, the Russian government did this. There aren't some criminals over there who've been arrested or detained and need to be questioned. The Russian government did this thing. So I'm not exactly sure who we would be expected to go over and watch the questioning of. Him? Putin? Um, all right. So uh, 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Here is Maureen in Torrington. Hi, Maureen. You're on the air. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. I, I have to say I completely mirror your concern with um, what was expressed today, although I didn't catch the press conference myself. Um, what I've been hearing about it is extremely disturbing. Um, you had said at one point that you thought they would play this a little different and wear a different face, but I think we're dealing with two very arrogant, condescending, narcissistic individuals, both who are leading to countries that are supposed to be adversaries. And it, it, from my perspective, Russia definitely had something on Trump because he becomes the very little man that I think a lot of people know him to be when in the presence of Putin and just doesn't have the ability to manage our country and, and represent our country as the independent nation that we are when in his presence. So I, I can't imagine that there isn't something very disturbing that Putin has on Trump, and, and that's the uh, the unknown piece of all of this. Well, that was addressed today, and Putin essentially denied that there's any dossier. I mean, how would he do otherwise? But yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that one. I don't completely understand the degree to which uh, Trump is, if not Putin's lapdog, I mean, he's he's sort of Putin's sheep anyway. Um, and, and he 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 really was sort of standing there like a big, complacent sheep. 
um, who was really not prepared to object to anything uh, that Putin had done. I mean, this is an appropriate time for presidential outrage uh, and umbrage. Uh, and and rather than expressing anything like that, he spent some of his time at the beginning of the press conference blaming the United States uh, for decades of stupidity in in handling Russian relations, which he uh, says have fallen to an all time low. Now, that's very much a Trump rhetorical trope. It's one of his favorites. Things are at an all time low. We have American carnage. Uh, only one person can set things to right, and that is me. I mean, it's a, it's a, that very much uh, comic book version of himself that he presents. So things always have to be at a historic low. They have to be worse than they've ever been so that he can arrive and improve them. Um, and, and But yes, it was for all of that, his willingness to throw essentially everybody in America <laughs> under the boat, starting with his own intelligence agencies, who he just refused to back at all in this context. Uh, and keep in mind, his own national security uh, director, Dan Coates, has said there's a red warning light blinking right now in terms of future Russian attacks. It's comparable to what happened before 9-11, missed signals before 9-11. We can't miss them now. That's, that's his guy saying that. So I don't know why he's a big complacent sheep. It could be that they have videos of him with another big complacent sheep doing God knows what. <laughs> but I don't know that, you know. Right. I, I just know there's something wrong. Uh, well, go ahead. And, yeah. and, if, and if I may, I would just like to say from the very beginning of, of Trump becoming elected, I thought we were electing the step-in Santa Claus from the movie The Santa Claus when um, Tim's character was a great clause and then he had to go back to Earth and they brought in this this alternative clause to run um, Christmas Village, and that Santa Claus represented everything negative that Santa could possibly be, and and Trump is definitely that that person to me. Um, everything negative that he could possibly be doing to undermine um, the United States and undermine our people and our faith and our government, uh, from my perspective, he is doing. Is this like so a, this is, is this just a, one more piece? This is like a Tim Allen movie or something. Yeah, the never... Tim Allen movie of the series of Santa Claus movies. There are three of them. In Do I need to watch them... this movie to understand what's happening right now in America? Uh, you know, it, it might actually help some people, I think, because, you know, when the good guy is, is diverted somewhere else and they bring in a stand-in, and the stand-in is every negative piece that the positive Santa had, um, it's, it, it's really kind of ironic. You know, if you told me a few years ago that Tim Allen held the key to understanding a complex question in American public life, I would have said that you were wrong. Today, on this particular day in 2018, uh, let me check my watch, on July 16, 2018, I am not prepared to say that. It could be that Tim Allen is the key, that if we knew what Tim Allen knows, if we could just successfully extract from Tim Allen's oeuvre what's really there, we don't understand what's happening and we'd know a way out. So I'm, I'm going to go to a break in just a second here. But before I go to a break, I wanted to say what I was going to talk about today, because maybe we could sort of work it all in here at a certain point. Um, but I was going to ask you to imagine winning, and by which I mean not in the Charlie Sheen sense or the Donald Trump sense, but obviously we all feel pretty helpless and scared. Uh, I, I was I was actually trembling watching the press conference, which I've never done before. Uh, but it was so clear that uh, President Trump was in the thrall of Putin, was unable to act in our behalf, the American people's behalf, against Putin, uh, that his 
his feeling of uh, of being simpatico with uh, Putin exceeds his feelings of of communion with us. <laughs> that I was I got scared. I was I'm feeling a little vulnerable vulnerable these days anyway. But I was standing there. I, I had the laptop. I was watching it on a like a stream on the laptop, and I was sort of carrying it around my house while I was doing stuff. And eventually, I was in the kitchen just looking at the laptop, and I realized my arms were shaking. Um, I, I, I'm afraid for us as of today in a way that I haven't been so far. I mean, it's always been some, uh, there's always been, I think for a lot of us, some pretty persistent drumbeats of concern and worry, and this thing could take a pretty horrible turn, any number of horrible turns. But I don't think I'd ever seen anything quite like this today. I felt like we are in a whole new terrain. Anyway, um, I was going to ask you to imagine what it would be like. What's what's your sort of blue sky? You know, what's your thing at the end of the rainbow? Uh, like, how do you imagine America two, three years from now if things get better? What, what does that even mean anymore? But I, don't, I think that's the wrong topic for today. I think at least for a while we have to stay uh, on what happened today and what it can possibly mean. 860-275-7266. The airwaves are yours if you call in. 860-275-7266. We'll be back. With love from Russia, Vladimir says hi. Just like the phoenix, a superpower. Okay, we're back. Um, our number, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. Let me grab a few quick calls here. Uh, we we love it that women call in sometimes, so if you're a woman and you're holding back, know that you, first of all, will be greeted courteously and um, and effectively by Zandra Ellen, herself a woman, uh, and uh, our intern today, uh, and we'd love to talk to you. Uh, I say this only because uh, historically talk radio has been kind of male-dominated, so... Uh, I want women to feel empowered. Uh, here is not a woman, uh, Brian from Mystic. Hi, Brian. Uh, what's on your mind? Hi, Hi Colin. How you doing? Good. Um, uh, you were shaking watching this thing this morning. I, uh, for me, it sort of redefined the term slack-jawed mm-hmm. because that's how I felt. Um, but the, clearly, the man is a traitor. He has done cr- traitor's acts. My question is, is there somebody in your listening audience who's enough of a lawyer to know whether it's actual, actually the crime of treason? One thing that I can do, uh, Brian, is direct you. Oddly enough, we've done an entire show on this subject. We did it, um, uh, I believe it ran originally on March 1st, 2017. So if you go to WNPR.org and to the Colin McEnroe Show page there, WNPR.org slash Colin, or if you just go to WNPR.org and, and search uh, treason, Try searching treason exclamation point because that was the title of the show. I will tell you that um, two things about that particular show. Well, three things. Okay. Um, First of all, uh, of all the crimes uh, in America that are defined by law, only one crime is spelled out in the U.S. Constitution. The U.S. Constitution only mentions one crime, and it's treason. Um, That, um, according to one of the legal experts we had on that day, and look, we could have a legal expert on right now per your request, Brian. But the problem is if we had two, we might get different answers. Um, One of the legal experts we had on that show said that it really has to be in a defined setting of wartime. We have to be – you can't have treason if you're not at war. 
uh, that the Constitution makes that pretty clear. So, and, but, but that's where we get into a gray area because there are some people who will say, well, we are at war with Russia. We're having uh, a cyber war with Russia. They are attacking uh, the way people attack you these days. They are, they are, they're attacking our databases, our electronic systems. They're uh, uh, trying to uh, materially affect outcomes of what are purported to be democratic elections. Yes, we're at war with Russia. But we, we don't have a declared war with Russia. So, Proving treason might be really, really difficult. Now, I'll tell you the third really interesting thing <laughs> about that treason show. There were three guests on it. Um, and the third was Joe Walsh, the former congressman who now not the not the Eagle, the former congressman who now uh, has a talk show. And I just think that's funny because if anybody saw the new Sasha Baron Cohen uh, series last night, uh, Joe Walsh was on gleefully and cooperatively and willingly uh, reading this kind of public service announcement about the idea that uh, school children as young as four should be trained in the use of firearms so that they can shoot back in their classrooms, uh, having been kind of duped by Sasha Baron Cohen as this kind of fake former Israeli counterintelligence officer or something like that. Anyway, oh, but Joe Walsh, I will say, is very strong on this issue. Joe Walsh feels like we, who's a, he's a very conservative former congressman, now a talk show host. He's one of the guys who feels we are under attack by Russia right now. And and cooperating with them, uh, I, I assume he would say that that really would or at least could be treason. All right. So um, let's go back to the phones. Here's Estelle in Guilford. Hi, Estelle. You're on the air. Hi, Colin. Uh, thanks for your show today. A direct response to the press conference. Um I just wanted to say the clear reason to me, and I'm sure this is obvious to everybody else as well, that Donald, Holden, Donald Trump is beholden to Vladimir Putin is because Putin got him elected. He made it possible for Trump to become president. I think it's plain as day. Secondly, it outraged me that in an international forum press conference that Donald Trump would talk about the Democratic Party and their inability to accept the results of the election or the fact that they continue to insist upon the Mueller probe uh, as they being the culprits when the culprit or thug was standing right next to him. I don't even know why he brought in one of our American parties into the whole discussion, quite frankly. Well, it certainly was a violation of the Ronald Reagan precept that politics stops uh, at the water's edge. Uh, Is that Reagan who said that? I feel like it's Reagan who said that. Politics stops at the water's edge. Maybe somebody else said it. I'm sure someone out there will set me straight if I'm wrong. By the way, you can tweet at us, particularly if I say something wrong, at WNPR Colin. But also, you can just tweet at us for any reason, uh, at WNPR Colin. But anyway, Reagan, if, <laughs> if that's who said it, um, was trying to make the point that we can have our internecine battles here. Uh, we can uh, fight the good fight with our political adversaries here. But once we go abroad, once we're out there in the international theater, uh, we shouldn't be political anymore. I mean, Donald Trump is remarkably uh, in ways that Estelle was suggesting political in this press conference. I mean, he re- he actually cited his electoral college totals, uh, talked repeatedly about Hillary Clinton as though she— Posed some clear and present danger to him uh, right now. Um, it was a it was an international performance that was 
and not the first one of its kind by any means uh, by Trump, but it was an international performance that was remarkably focused on domestic politics because I, I don't know whether Estelle is right, uh, but I do know this. Trump can't afford to acknowledge the Russian interference in the electoral process um, because it might suggest that he didn't win the election fair and square. And because I think he is a very weak man, he's a weak man who is very, very uh, easily undermined by suggestions that he is not as good as he claims to be. Um, that's a very menacing thing to him. Um, I don't know if he thinks about it in terms of he can't gainsay Vladimir Putin because Vladimir Putin got him elected. I think so much of what goes on with Donald Trump goes on in a very, very tight orbit right around him. And so I think he can't gainsay Vladimir Putin because he can't face the possibility that there's anything compromised about his victory. Um, that would be so upsetting to him. If it, The more it makes it possible for anybody else to say, well, you really didn't win on your own, did you? Um, it's, I think, less a matter of gratitude towards Putin um, or, or some debt to Putin and more the impossibility for him of admitting some deficiency uh, existing anywhere in his triumph. He doesn't want to see a flaw anywhere in his diamond. Here's Lucy in Suffield. Hi, Lucy. You're on the air. Hello. Um, my question is these two hours of them talking to themselves, were they recorded? Does anybody ever know? Will he be held accountable for anything like that? Well, um, he doesn't know whether he was recorded. I mean, so the 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 pretext or the, the conceit uh, of this meeting, Lucy, would be that it wasn't being recorded, that it was an opportunity for them, only in the presence of two interpreters, to take stock of one another, to get to size each other up, um, and to have a reasonably unfettered exchange of views. That That is the, the conceit or the pretense. Now, I'm not the first person to point this out, but since, and that terrifies me. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I think most people think you should have gone in there with every possible advisor you could find. Um, but yes, that's a very terrifying idea. Now, the next question is, and keep in mind that you know Vladimir Putin is not a mere master of spies; he is a spy. Um, the likelihood that he recorded the conversation, I would say, is very high. Um, uh, other people have suggested, by the way, that they should sweep the soccer ball that uh, he gave Trump for listening devices. Yeah. But um, but I think the, the the possibility that Putin arranged to have that recorded is very high. And one of the problems with that is that if we didn't arrange to have it surreptitiously recorded, uh, Putin's people can edit parts of the conversation uh, and then leak them out to the world. They can say, here's what Donald Trump said. Uh, in this meeting, leak it out to Julian Assange or somebody, uh, and it'll be hard to refute because, yeah, there's no public record of it. Um, so there's a big, there are a lot of big risks being taken in, in meeting the two of them meeting alone. Just starting with Trump's general level of naivete and subservience to Putin. And my other, my other thing is he denies, he calls fake news when we have a recording of him. Right. What is he going to do if we don't even have a recording? Well, yes. So anyway, no, I mean, it was supposed to be a 90-minute meeting. It went longer than that. I have no idea why. Um, but uh, we should be nervous about that. Uh, he, I mean, he's just not intellectually equipped uh, to meet with a guy like Putin. And I don't know, Dan Rather, who's kind of turned into a very interesting presence on Twitter, was just talking about watching the body language of the two men. You turn the, he said you can turn the sound off and you can see 
Trump is operating at some kind of disadvantage. He, he looks timid and hunched. Um, Putin looks uh, relaxed and very much the master of his domain, if I can still use that expression. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously, Trump is a more physically imposing guy, but it really it really is true. If you go back and just switch the sound off and look at the two men, it, it's pretty clear who thinks he's in charge of this particular moment. And why wouldn't Putin? He is getting absolutely everything that he wants and dictating terms to us, having having participated, having led an attack, a cyber attack on the United States, having led um, an espionage incursion of the American political process that included uh, Russian agents being physically present on our uh, soil, hijacking the names and identities of dead Americans in order to participate in uh, in the political process here. Um, having done all that, he feels like he's still in a pretty good position to dictate terms. Like, yeah, you could maybe come over under this treaty and question some of the people here, but I'm going to want to question some people that you've got. So, you know, that's that's the way that's going to work. Um, all right. We have time for one good size, longish final segment. Uh, 860-275-7266. I'm just letting people call in about what I feel. And, and as I said, <laughs> sometimes things look like kind of a news development. This looked more like a plot twist. You know, this is like the part where Jack Bauer is down in the basement trying to get out to stop this, but he can't. So it happens. Uh, I think it's sort of more in that category of things. All right. So 860-275-7266. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. I don't get upset on days like this is I have a pet unicorn named Willie. Of course, Willie did try to poison me last month, but that's the product of decades of stupid American behavior towards unicorns. Today's show was produced by Jonathan McPants and me, Kyone Wolf. Zandra Ellen is our intern, and the part of Bill Curry was played by Boris Badenov. On tomorrow's show, we revisit our salute to octopuses. And now, back to Colin. All right, we are indeed back. Uh, the number is 860-275-7266. I had a different plan for today, but then I watched the press conference, the Helsinki press conference, the Helsinki We Are Sinking press conference, and I thought, ah. first of all, I like the guy who, who said that it was perhaps his most direct, I think it was Brian, who said it was his most direct experience of being slack-jawed. I know exactly what he means. All right. Uh, and then I just thought, you know, we have to talk about this. Um it kind of blots out everything else. All right. The number is 860-275-7266. And here we go. This is Levi in West Hartford. Also, Hank in Woodbridge, I'm going to get to you. Jennifer in West Hartford, I'm going to get to you. So, Levi, you have the floor. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I remember Voltaire said about the Russians, the two best things they have are the world's largest cannon, which has never been shot, and the world's largest bell, which has never been rung. And if we're to believe Vladimir Putin the world's largest army of professional uh, trolls that have never been deployed to affect an election. Um, but uh, it seems to me that uh, there's no doubt that they tried to influence the election. I, I don't know that whether that was their intent, that uh, no one thought Trump could win. 
Um, certainly not uh, uh, Nate Silver or the New York Times, but it seems that they wanted to sow some kind of discord. But nonetheless, I could respect the desire of foreign countries to want to influence an American election. It strikes me that uh, foreigners are affected by our policy much more than we are. If I were a young Syrian or Iraqi, I'd want someone to try to intervene in American politics for me. And uh, given you know, the deployment of U.S. troops to Norway, to Poland shortly before the election, uh, certainly in reasonable responses to what was going on in Ukraine, I can understand what might motivate a Russian to want to have some sort of say in who was affecting the lives on their borders. Um, uh, I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I, I think you're right that Trump denies it because he thinks it somehow affects his legitimacy and that he's a very weak fellow. But uh, nonetheless, I have more sympathy for Putin than for Trump in this. Well, first of all, Levi, these are all great comments, and I think your Farmington High School education has served you very well. Um, but... Um, uh, and whatever education you got. So thanks for the Voltaire. That was terrific. I think you're right, too, that, uh, you know, we have to be careful about getting on our high horse. And this has been pointed out in a number of places. We have to be careful about getting our, on, our, on our high horse. How dare anybody uh, uh, try to tamper with the polity uh, of the sacred United States? The sacred United States is very comfortable tampering in up to and including in the past, you know, having participated in overthrows and assassinations and coups. Um, our, our record is far from spotless. Uh, on the other hand, it's kind of, and I think you and I are on the same page about this, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you you got to draw the line somewhere. And yes, absolutely, our record isn't great. And I also agree with you that if you're, you know, if you live in Syria, yeah, you would really like to have some say about who the president of the United States is because it, it might affect whether you live or die, whether your kids live or die. You, you'd love to have some say about how our elections come out. But I, I think... You and I agree that our chance to be better, our chance to be any good at all, our chance to have a positive effect in the world, a net positive effect, not a pure positive effect, but a net positive effect, it's got to start with our ability to choose our leaders using the process that we think we've set up. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's worrisome about this. And, and, and I think also, yes, I mean, it's clear, not from the most recent set of Russian indictments by Mueller, but that first set that I think was 13 in that set. But um, it was clear then that from what was in the indictments that, yes, the discord was their original goal, that the less we were able to have a workable democracy uh, where people could debate and participate fairly rationally, the happier they got. That was the original goal. I think the goal changed at a certain point when he realized how much when, when, when he realized Trump was, could be the nominee, uh, somebody that he really could manipulate more easily than, say, Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or John Kasich. But anyway, Levi, thanks for your call. Thank you. Um, well, we think he went to Farmington High School. We don't. Our, our intelligence services tell us that. Um, we don't know, by the way, we can't just look at your phone number on, on um, caller ID and tell where you went to high school, so don't worry about that. It's just a one-time thing. Uh, all right, I think I promised Hank in Woodbridge that he would be next, and then Jennifer in West Hartford. Anyway, here's Hank. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. Good. So and to, speaking to your, your, your uh, comment or your observation that Trump is a weak man and he, he can't countenance any, any sense that he's anything but strong, 
goes back to the fact that his father uh, owned approximately 40,000 apartments when Donald graduated from college. So he, he, he's not the self-made man that he pretends. But even as a weak individual, which I believe he is, who, who refuses to confront anybody, he could have finessed Putin. And the simple finesse would have been to ask Putin if he had any involvement or the Russians had any involvement in our election. And if the answer was no, then Trump could have easily said, great, because what we're going to do is we're going to have our cyber experts destroy anyone who comes into our system. And I'm so glad, Vladimir, that you had nothing to do with it because you're not, <clears throat> therefore, you're not at risk. Are you threatening me, comrade? I don't know what he would have. That's an interesting reaction. Uh, I don't know, first of all, that I would advise somebody as unsophisticated about these things as Donald Trump to try to play, try to play that kind of hardball with somebody as sophisticated about these things as Putin. I mean, you know, I I like the simple thing. I mean, a, a lot of people have suggested that an appropriate thing would have been to ask for extradition uh, of the people named in the Mueller indictment. But for Trump to do that, of course, he would have to be uh, implying that the activities uh, of Mueller and his team have any legitimacy at all, and which he's not going to do. He's not going to say you have to extradite those 12 people who are named in that indictment because his his whole premise is that there are a bunch of frauds uh, and, and he certainly doesn't want to uh, indicate in any way that he believes in the work that they do because the work that they do may become lapping up on his shoes at some point. But anyway, I like your idea. Uh, I, I don't know that I would put it in the hands of this particular person. Uh, all right, here's Jennifer from West Hartford. Hi, Jennifer. You're on the air. Hi, Colin. Thank you for taking my call. Um, as I was listening to your show, um, you know, driving around Connecticut and whatnot today, my the question that sort of keeps coming to my mind, and, it, and it's really been there for the last 20 months or so since we've been living, you know, with you know Donald Trump as the president-elect and then the president, is what do we do? You know, we see him today essentially disregarding, you know, everything that the intelligence community has said, everything that, like, how I see, you know, normal-minded people believing that Russia has been involved in the election, that they've been involved in our political system in some way, you know, in the last two years or so, and he's disregarding that. It feels like up is down and down is up and that we're living in this crazy horror movie where, you know, we know that we shouldn't go into the room with the murderous clown, and yet we're, we're all together going into the room with the murderous clown. And I just keep going back to, like, what do we do? You know, do, do, is it, do we vote? I mean, I know we're supposed to do that and go vote. Do we call? I mean, I don't know how many times I've called my representative, you know, in the last six months or so. But what, <laughs> what do we do to make the madness stop? I suppose. Well, before I answer that question, I have to find out, is Tim Allen the murderous clown or is that like a totally different movie? <laughs> I, I, and I think it's in reference to the, the movie from before, but I, it, it could very well be. You never I'm, know. I'm putting on our, our research team onto the question of whether Tim Allen has ever played a murderous clown. So um, it's important to get these things pinned down because we're fact-based here. All right. So let me just say this because it's what everybody asks, right? It, it's kind of part of what I thought we were going to talk about today. And, and I do think, you know, the answer starts with Congress. I mean, Congress is the only entity that can really check Donald Trump. And Congress is the only entity that he need fear. Um, and so far, 
I mean, if you have, I mean, one answer to my to your question, Jennifer, would be if you happen to be at a dinner party with Mitch McConnell, <laughs> you might turn to him and say, "Why are you letting this happen?" Because Mitch McConnell, I've I've heard Mitch McConnell on more than one occasion say that he does regard Russia as our adversary. He does regard Russia as a country that does not wish us well, and that he does not believe that under the certain circumstances, under the current circumstances, we can have an entirely friendly relationship with Russia. So I would imagine that privately today he was as appalled by this press conference as we were. For some reason, and I think we can kind of suss out those reasons, for some reason he and the people who follow him are unwilling to say this in as forceful a manner as needs to be said. I mean, there were Republicans today. Lindsey Graham was on Twitter right away kind of dependably talking about what's wrong with this. He even made one of those soccer ball jokes. By the way, can I just say one thing about the soccer ball, and then I'll get back to this. So at a certain point, if you didn't see the press conference, the World Cup comes up, and at the end, Putin says, at the end of the conversation about the World Cup, Putin says, well, I know that this is coming to your country. Actually, he spoke Russian. Why am I doing him in an accent? So he says, this is coming to your country in 2026. And so he whips out the soccer ball, and he says, so this is kind of a symbol of of that. And he gives it to Trump. <laughs> Trump goes, well, this would be great for Baron, my son, to play with. Uh, and he tosses it over to Melania, who's sitting in the front row. And you're sitting, looking at, at Putin, and he's like, wait, I didn't know this is supposed to go in the presidential library. You don't, your son is not supposed to kick it through dog crap in Central Park with his Secret Service detail. Um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Lindsey Graham said, sweep it for listening devices. But it really does, back to seriously discussing this. You know, Jennifer, ultimately, if Congress doesn't tilt towards a Democratic majority, that can and will hold him accountable. Um, or more, I, I would almost rather that we see the Republicans find their spine about this. I mean, you absolutely have to know, particularly on this particular issue, that he is not joined by them. Republicans in Congress are not comfortable with Vladimir Putin. They don't regard him as a competitor as opposed to an adversary, the way that he was defined today at that press conference. By the way, he's not even really a competitor. It's the 30th. It's, the, it's an economy the size of New York State. That's how big they are. But, um, but Republicans in Congress, you know they're not there with him, and they may have been as appalled as many of us were by what happened today. This is a place where the road forks and a few people go one way with Trump and a lot of people, including a lot of Republicans in Congress, go the other. But they they won't say it. They feel as though they're taking a political risk if they do. So I don't know. Do do about that what you want. I would really love it uh, if the Republicans could find their voice a little bit today. I don't I don't know what could get them to do it if not that. Uh, All right. So um, we have time. I think we can take one last call. And let's see. Let's take. um, Is it Lance uh, in Litchfield? Yeah. Hi, you're on the air. Thanks, Colin. It's great to talk to you and your audience. I'd like to make the point uh, riffing on the idea that Russia is a competitor and look at the alignment of interests that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin have. They're both billionaires controlling huge resources in both governments and industries in their respective countries. And they both like to see this probe and this idea that Russia interfere in the U.S. election just go away. So there's so much alignment of interests 
there. And I also want to point out that the American people actually have a deep alignment of interest with Russian people. There's no reason why we can't think of ourselves as collaborators in creating a structure that's peaceful and robust and uh, interactive instead of this competitors. Painting people out as a competitor is the same kind of polarization operating at the international level that has been the bane of our existence in recent years domestically. Um, Lance, uh, that's a great way to end. You have landed the plane. I thank you for that. Um, and I thank everybody who, who went along with this. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we've been doing a lot of these kind of all-call, open phone line chats. Um, I'm thinking that uh, in weeks to come, we may go in the other direction a little bit, uh, go back to booking some guests here. Uh, but it's been great. But, I mean, if you want, if you disagree with me about that, please uh, email me at colin at wnpr.org. Um, but uh, it's been fun doing this. We will come back to this format, I'm sure, in the future. Uh, but thanks to everybody who helped out today. Uh, thanks uh, to my team here. My team's a little small today. We've got people on medical leave, people on vacation. But Kyle Wolf's been on the board, and Jonathan McNichol produced the show, and Zandra Ellen's on the phone. So what else do I need, really? Um, um, um.